I think it's always very important to stay human and create this good feeling within the team and always have a good laugh. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the new episode of VEU Executive Academy podcast, where we give you exclusive insights from some of the brightest leaders today who all have one thing in common. They are or were students of our MBA programs. I'm Chadomir Pushica, your host, and it is my task to ask the right questions so that you can learn more about the person, their industry, their mindset, and how they manage to bring positive change to businesses and their communities. Our guest today is a very special lady, Timea Reher, ranked as the best female leader for the year 2020 in Slovakia by the Slovak edition of Forbes magazine. Timea is Slovnaft's retail manager responsible for the largest retail network in Slovakia and in charge of managing the company's critical infrastructure, fuel stations throughout the entire country. Thanks to her hard work, the fuel stations were seen as oases of normalcy during the pandemic. Timea graduated from the Faculty of National Economy at the University of Economics in Bratislava in 1998. She has been with Mall Group, holding various managerial positions since 2006. From Corporate's Center Manager, Head of Asset and Service Manager, Director of Corporate Services to Retail Director at Slovnaft. She has been a member of the Board of Directors of Slovnaft as of 2013. Under her management, the company almost doubled its profit, and we'll dig deeper to see what strategy she applied to transform the business grossing over $1 billion in revenue per year. So, Timea, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. That's very kind of you. So, much of the success of Slovnaft in the past several years seemed to derive from innovative thinking and from harnessing business opportunities not strictly related to fuel distribution and provision, but relying on the existing infrastructure to offer your clients additional services. Could you please tell us more about it? I believe Mall Group, as uh, Slovno is part of Mall Group, has made a decision at the right time five, six years ago when we decided to have a strategy of not just relying on fuel sales, but also on non-fuel sales. So basically what we did is we created this fresh corner concept, meaning that all the customers were really happy with our quality fuels. And we saw that we should build on this very good reputation in the eyes of the customers and uh, built on this non-fuel segment as well. So we made massive reconstructions of our filling stations among these countries where more is present. And Slovakia is one of those countries where we are in dominant position. So we made a massive reconstruction, but the reconstruction itself, of course, was not simply a fact that we could really achieve this success, but it was also by a simple fact that we built on this quality. So we decided to sell quality, quality foods, quality coffee on our service stations. And this is something how we could attract our customers and it seemingly the customers appreciated it. So do you think you just mentioned that the quality of your fuel already earned you a good reputation among your customers, but do you think your model could be replicated by somebody not offering that quality fuel, but, you know, following your model? Well, look, I think that the current customers are becoming much more kind of choosy and they would like to really get good quality for their money, whether it's it's a fuel, whether it's a non-fuel, whether it's a, it's a service. And this is something where we can really see that the current customer is much more wiser. And I do believe that this new era and these new trends, which are coming also from other countries, uh, reach these Eastern European countries and and it, it's always a good basis if you are already well known within your country 
about something which is working good. I have to say that when I took over the retail position, managerial position, unfortunately, our network was not having a very good reputation that time because people were really complaining about the type of services which we were providing at the service stations and how unpleasant customer handling was that time. And we had to invest lots of energy and time and money to somehow to rebuild this reputation in the eye of these customers. So it's not simply just the quality of the food, the quality of the fuel, but also the quality how you treat and, and handle customers. So this, is, this type of service was quite a key on our table. So you listen to your customers. Yeah, unfortunately, you have to. Otherwise, you can close your shop and <laughs> there is not much um, chance uh, for you to, to really succeed, which is, which is okay. And since you already mentioned Fresh Corner, I want to ask you something more about that. What is Fresh Corner? Well, Fresh Corner, for those ones who don't know us, it's um, basically the gastro segment within Mall Group, where we offer very good quality coffee and uh, gastro products. And we call that anything which is connected uh, with gastro, it's a, it's a Fresh Corner offer. So um, you can really see within Mall Group, we have almost 2,000 stations in Eastern and Central Europe. And the concept is same in every single country. You can see the same logo, the same design of the service station. So the customer can really identify us if you travel around these countries, that this is something where I was already happy with the offer. So why shouldn't I stop by to grab and go a sandwich or a coffee? So this, this was the concept which was created five years ago, and all the countries are following this concept now. Okay, so is that a franchise or how are you rolling it out? We own these assets, so it's not a real franchise model, but we do have partners in every country. You can operate it in a different model. So in Slovakia, what we did, just uh, coming from this example, to have you an understanding of this whole network is working. Five years ago, or almost six years ago, the network was operated in uh, Kodo operational model. This abbreviation means that it's a company-owned, dealer-operated. So we had dealers, and the dealers were responsible for the shop management, for the people who were working there, and also for the offer. We changed this concept completely, and by implementing the Fresh Corner and the Fresh Corner reconstruction was fully managed by us. We changed the model, so we changed it to COCA, which means uh, company-owned commission agent. So the non-fuel segment was taken over by us and by Slovnaft, and we started negotiating uh, the, the offers. It's us who is selecting the quality of the gastro, quality of the food, negotiating with uh, suppliers and uh, setting the prices at the service station. So it was a complete mindset change and the model change. And of course, with an IT infrastructure or whatever you can imagine, that all which was connected to this change was, of course, done within a two-year period and the reconstruction massive reconstruction of the network, which we managed to cover. 90% of the network is already working under fresh corner color. So it was not a simple act and required really quite a lot of changes. I think you already answered one of my questions, the following question, which is how did your operational model change? So I will not insist anymore on that. I want to ask you about the current situation and the COVID crisis. It takes determination and courage to take the lead when everything seems to be falling apart and is falling apart and ensure that everything continues to work no matter the circumstances. And fuel is one of those essential resources for the function of our societies and you made sure everything worked without interruption. Looking back now, what were the crucial steps you have taken to ensure that? 
This year, I think it was terrible for all of us, mainly the beginning of this COVID pandemic situation when we didn't and couldn't really answer many questions. And it was really tough and created lots of tension as, of course, the partners and the people at the service station. If you imagine that there are 2,000 people out there and waiting for you to make a decision and give them a direction. And when the government is really undecisive and it's very difficult to, to follow these measures and instructions, from coming from the government and you are in the middle of this battle because you know there is a massive amount of people who is who are waiting for your reaction and so it was tough it created many many calls and we were always on the call basically and changing the situation from one minute to another one which was really helping that that we are good teams i think that after all those changes which we went through within the last five years in my team we could really create that and show again that we can really collaborate together very well. And even though there were tension, there was nervosity, there was different communication and changing of this environment, something which unfortunately we couldn't change and couldn't really predict, but we will be able to manage it in a better way. This is something which we couldn't promise for stuff on our side. On one hand, what really helped our situation that the network was, as I said, 90% was already reconstructed. So in the eyes of the customers, it created this clean feeling that, that we supported the stations, which was made and produced by our refinery. So the guys in the refinery started using and created this new product so we could really supply them at the very first run. So the customer could smell, unfortunately, not, not a very nice smell, but the smell of cleanness and created this security and safety feeling. And we managed to put these Lexi shields for the staff. So the staff was, again, showed highly appreciation that we tried to save them as they were really the first contact for the customer. So with these kind of measures and we were fighting for any kind of masks, whether the, the price was overpriced, it was really not a matter at the time. And we we were just fighting to get to get any for the network. So these these were a very first nightmares of this COVID and pandemic situation and this non-stop changing of communication and communication with the authorities, communication with the control organs, because apart from that, that it was a changing environment, of course, there was a massive control from their side and 160 controls we had from these organs to, to really check whether we are basically in line with all these measures. So that's practically every other day there was a control. Yes. So you can say it in this way. And now when you mentioned 2,000 employees waiting for your decision and you're managing 60 FTEs directly, what do you find essential in keeping the focus and having everyone aligned around the company objectives? I think that we had to change many things. How we cooperating within this small team of these uh, 60 people? Of course, I am not communicating with 60 people. I have uh, five managers around me and basically five, four, four managers. And with myself, really, you know, we are really a small team, but working together. So there is not really strict organization structure. So I'm not really behaving as boss and uh, there are subordinates, but we are a team and we have this kind of culture here within my team that we decide together and uh, there is no pointing at each other that who did it and how did it, but because we make a decision uh, together and we go with this flow. 
this kind of culture was created before and we continued with this approach uh, as well. So basically they spread the information among their team, this WhatsApp communication, which we created, and also town halls, which we have on a monthly basis. So all the people, all the 60 people, but not just the 60 people who are the FTEs in my department, but all the other functional units or business units who are cooperating with us, controlling department, finance department, legal department, communication department, etc. So there is, there is a much, much wider scope of people who needs to understand that what are we doing, why we are doing it, and what is the next plan. So this is something which was communicated on a monthly basis towards them as well. And of course, via the communication department, we had to inform the rest of the network and those, all those 2,000 people who are out there. Okay, thank you. And you do not stop there. You have plans to further develop the quality of services provided at the gas stations around the country. And also you have plans to improve ecological and digital solutions, including the infrastructure for electromobility. Could you please elaborate on this? Yeah, this is something which this trend is not stopping. So unfortunately, or fortunately, we can say that we are still on the go and, and somehow on this speed and this kind of business is requiring a 24-7 approach and, and always follow the new trends and monitor that what is out there in the market. And Mall Group has announced the Mall Strategy of 2030 plus, uh, Shape Tomorrow. And of course, there are some very ambitious uh, targets for us and strategy directions. And yes, so we do believe that we have not reached the final destination yet and we can still, you know, go with quite double-digit growth in terms of growth and in financial terms as well. And so there is quite a heavy task in front of us. What we currently are working on is this digitalization. So to become this data-driven society or company where, where we could make much wiser and better decisions towards our customers and, and really fulfill their wishes based upon their behavior. And so directly and by personalization, we can really offer the goods and the services which the customer wants. So this is something which, which we are really working on. But apart from that, we still have some organic and inorganic growth plans. And this is in front of us. Official, I cannot really talk about these ones, but there are a couple of good ideas on the table already. And we are very close to announce them pretty soon. And apart from that, uh, this quality and of the goods and the quality of the gastro segment, which we believe that we still have quite a long journey to do and to grow. Well, that's really in line with what I just read this morning, and that's amazing. And That's of late Professor Clayton Christensen's The Innovator's Dilemma, saying that people who invent something are usually the last ones to see past it. But you already are going past the transformations you have been doing, and you're not stopping there. So that's really encouraging. And I hope you'll be our host again here next time once you actually announce the changes and the plans so we can dis discuss them further now that you can't speak about them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. If you are interested in then okay, I'm willing to do that, definitely. Okay, so now I want to ask you about the people and managing so many people and so many different uh, strategical solutions. What was the main, most painful decision that you had to make? And are you happy with the result? That's a tough question. There were so many tough decisions on this way. But for me, it was always the one which probably caused me the biggest headache was the personal changes. 
when I started working uh, within this department and I was a newcomer and there was a completely new concept and we wanted to create a new culture and not all the members of this department was really supporting this uh, new way of thinking and after a certain time you need to make a decision whether you are going to invest more energy and time into that person to persuade them that this is the direction and you, whether you like it or not we are going to go on this track. And then you have to realize that, okay, this is a no-go and uh, it's better if you say goodbye to each other. And this was something where I always suffered. And I have to tell you that two days before I'm not sleeping and two days after I'm not sleeping well when I have to announce this. But on the long run, I really do believe that it's better for that individual as well and for the team if we, if we close it and if we communicate it clearly. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that seems to be really the toughest problem any manager faces, personnel change. And now I want to ask you about, because you're the best leader by Forbes magazine in Slovakia, and there must be things that you do, some routines that you have that help you be there and uh, give the best you can. So what is the state of mind that you love most and that makes you most productive, creative, happy? And what do you do to get into that state of mind? Well, first of all, I was pretty much surprised by this of this first place within Forbes because I, I did not expect <laughs> to reach that level, I have to say. And I almost always saying to all my colleagues who congratulated to me that, look, guys, this is our mutual success because this company, it's based on the company results and, and um, it's not a one-man show. So this is definitely not us. It's a success of everyone who's working within this company and we need to have it in mind. And um, just because I'm a woman and I'm a board member, of course, this was something why I, I ended up on that on that list. Within the company, I think, which keeps me going and uh, which is uh, creating this energy is that we have a very good atmosphere within this department. So we are hard workers, but we are human beings. You know that if you come to work and you can always have a smile on your face and you can have a couple of words to each other and... I think this cozy atmosphere of um, working together, even though you have many deadlines, many meetings, many etc. ongoing, and it's sometimes frustrating, but I think it's always very important to stay human and create this good feeling within the team and always have a good laugh and or have a good lunch together now during COVID and there are just very few people in the offices. But we always have a lunch together just to have at least some kind of conversation. So that pretty much, I think, is our key working culture. And also, for me, the driver is that once we make a decision, and of course you can make a good decision or a bad decision, or maybe not the best one, but you can really see it in financial terms, whether it was a good direction or not. So sometimes it's a gut feeling. Sometimes, of course, you have data-driven decisions. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you need to make up a decision and you can have a very or you must have a very quick decision. And of course, you bear the consequences afterwards. And this is quite challenging for me, I have to say, and I like it. So this is really interesting to me to hear that the atmosphere is what really brings about results. I mean, that's not something new, but is there somebody in charge of making good atmosphere? How do they do that? It must be a decision, I believe. Look, if you take into consideration that you spend at work many hours normally daily, and of course, if you go home, you still at least, I can say that I bring home some of the work with myself in my head and I'm trying to solve it. And sometimes I wake up and I know the solutions. So this is something which is unfortunately is happening. 
once you were quite a long years and you are in managerial position and also if you like your job and I have to say that I really like this position and I think that we all it's all our task to bring this happiness or to bring this positivity into into the workplace. I could not imagine that I would come to office and without a laugh or without a smile, I would start my job or without having just a you know very brief conversation with my colleagues. So this is something which I cannot really imagine in, in my work life. We work so hard and so much that if we would be like robots, then then it would not be good for the performance and for the for the long run for anyone. So I think that we it's we can maybe say that it's by chance that you selected the colleagues in a way that there was already a certain chemistry on the interviews going through. Or you very, very shortly, you understand after this trial period that the person really fits to this teamwork and can really get the humor and can get the, this positive attitude as well. But maybe we should, we should ask our, my colleagues whether they see it in the same way or not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe just create a company policy saying, if you don't bring about good mood, you're out. <laughs> Look, I heard, this, I heard this quote. I have to say that this is not my, from my head, but I really like it. That Of course, the company and the big company and the refinery can have a certain culture, but basically it's you and it's your decision what kind of culture you create within your department. And I like it because, of course, sometimes, you know, the culture is different on certain departments work and on certain floors on the, of the same building. But it's important for me. And I like this kind of podcast to listen to, how, you know, have to have this work-life balance, have to have to treat people and have to be equal. But I think it's really coming from inside of people and from inside of the manager. And it's important for me. So this is this is the way we are. And this is important for the department as well. This is my, my slogan. <laughs> I can't agree more. So now I want to go back to the figures and to the money matters. And you doubled the revenue practically ever since introducing this new model of operations. And, and you mentioned something that I didn't ask you about before, but now I want to go back. And that's using digitalization and these new methods for creating even more customer centricity and intimacy, knowing your customer better. So if you don't mind, I would like to dig deeper there and ask you what kind of things you have in mind? Would, would it be like um, machine learning, artificial intelligence? Because I think this is the word of the day today is machine learning and or some loyalty cards. How do you plan to actually be more intimate with your customers and create even more revenue that way? Yeah, well, absolutely. For the company, it's always the financial figures which matter. But at the end of the day, it's always about the behavior of the customer. And this is something where we have a lot to learn still. And based on this new reporting tool, which we implemented lately, and it's very good that we are using within Mall Group and the big countries where we're already within the system, we are using the same reporting tool so we can compete and benchmark ourselves with other countries how they are doing how the colleagues are doing because there is quite a good data democracy within this team 
and be measuring or, or following just the financial figures. At the, of course, at the end of the day, it's always the first which we are checking. But on the second, we started uh, really monitoring that what kind of promotions, how people are reacting on certain campaigns and, and, and offers and what is pulling what, how they are behaved. And we already have quite a big loyalty program within Slovakia. There are 800,000 people in the system. But what we don't really have, and we have still a long journey in front of us, that have to really send to them personalized offers and meet their needs. As due to GDPR, and it complicated our life a bit, but we need to launch quite a big consent campaigns after the customers decide to to give their consent and we can approach them with many other offers which are really suiting uh, their their needs so this 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 is the journey and this is this digitalization and and the communication and applications um, whether it's a new application which we should launch in a hopefully in upcoming weeks and uh, and gather all these uh, consent and take a ne- next step based on these data uh, to to offer what they want. And so now we come naturally to the questions about the future and what the future will look like. Is the fuel supply industry slowly but surely turning to the cleaner sources of energy? And when do you envisage the mass passage to electric cars? Are you part of a worldwide effort to develop the electromobility infrastructure? Or is it something where you're taking the lead and setting the example to others? Yeah, we are already on that on that path. So first of all, last week as they as we introduced this new strategy, the strategy was introduced for different departments within our group. So for downstream containing or consisting of refinery and the wholesale business for retail and also for upstream direction. So within retail, we, we communicated that by 2025, we would like to be EU CEO zero company. And of course, the refinery has a couple of years longer, this strategy or this target to be implemented within their, their department. So we are really following all these environmental issues. And I think that Mall Group has already invested millions of dollars into this segment and have to have to really protect the environment and, and reduce the CO2 emissions. So this is something which is always the key topic uh, within our our department or our organization and our companies. Also, these these electric uh, chargers, uh, we set a contract or we signed a contract with the EU and we had to create a corridor within our network. And therefore, Slovakia is already having 13 EV chargers uh, already in the system. And of course, this is something which we are going to increase. So this was just a corridor which was contracted with the EU. But apart from that, we can really see that demand is growing in the in the towns for this kind of services. And, and we need to invest in those in those spots by ourselves to fulfill the customer needs. And also the hydrogen, this is something which we we are playing with this and we thought on a long run. We still believe that the, the electric chargers will be for private cars and maybe this hydrogen sector will be for public transport. But this is something which will come. We need to understand much more about how we can produce green uh, hydrogen in a CO2 reduction. So this is this is uh, quite a complex issue, and we need to work on that with the downstream colleagues who have this full chain of supply and sell as well. And uh, what is the competition doing? 
Yeah, well, it's interesting that five years ago we were not really leaders, even though we were in dominant positions always in Slovakia, and therefore the the as I said, the control organs and the anti-monopoly office was always uh, very harsh with us and very strict with us. And but uh, in business terms, as uh, we were not the best ones in terms of our services, I always as as, as I said, the field was always highly appreciated. We were we were the players at the market and and. And the followers. And it seems like that after five years, we could really become a trendsetters. And the competition started following us in, in many of our actions. And it's, it's, it's nice to see how, how we managed to turn this angle completely or, or partially. Of course, it's a continuous game because, of course, the competitors aren't sleeping. And even though we took over the market share a bit for these last couple of years, they are fighting back. So this is something which is creating this quite a good competition field. That's good to hear. Although competition is never good, as Peter Thiel said. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. you cannot really, you know, it's like it it keeps you motivating because if you fall asleep, then basically you, you might miss the chance. That's true. That's true. So, Timea, I just want to ask you, when you look for new developments, new services and where do you look for inspiration? Because there must be something outside of your industry. I mean, the last transformation you did was completely outside of your core industry and core business. Where do you look for inspiration? First of all, by traveling, uh, when we could travel. So um, it's, it's my family is always saying that I miss having the first picture of the service stations and the filling stations and from the family. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a matter of, you know, this mindset that, of course, you are monitoring and you keep your eyes open if you are traveling and you, if you see something interesting or something which, you know, struck your eyes that, oh, why, why don't we do that? And um, then I then I keep uh, posting the pictures to my colleagues that look look at this and so this is something which is working so that by traveling you can really pick up many many good ideas and whether it's connected to your business currently or not or you see money lying there on the floor if you pick it up and then this is something which we definitely share with us. Of course, we try to attend uh, all these fairs and trades or just follow that what kind of offers at the market. So that's another source of information and just following basically the word where the word is moving unfortunately we are not going to become an amazon and we we are very far from that one but and we but probably we will never be a transitors in these innovations but we could be a very quick, quick followers and this is our aim thank you Tima. and for the end i want to ask you if there is something you would like to add well, something we haven't covered <laughs> Not really. I'm 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 really glad, and I was I was surprised that someone would be interested in my story. But I'm really grateful for you, and that you somehow persuaded me about that that people might be interested in the story and how we did it. And um, so I think uh, the insights you provided here are really really useful for so many people, and uh, they can give direction on how to think. Because I learned many many new things here. And one thing that struck me personally was finding inspiration, places you wouldn't expect to find them. So it's been a pleasure for, for me and for everyone else and for the listeners. So thank you so much. And let's see each other on the podcast the next time once you introduce something new, something <laughs> new. Okay. Thank you so much for your time as well. Thanks. Thank you. Hello again. Thank you for listening to this episode of VEU Executive Academy podcast, Know How to Inspire. 
Now, one more thing before you go. Please subscribe to our channel on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes, or check out our website at www.executiveacademy.at forward slash podcast. That is executiveacademy.at forward slash podcast. Last but not least, spread the word, because the more you share knowledge, the more inspiring it gets.